Holy God, through the stirring of your spirit, the earth nourishes us, the creative minds of others enrich us, their good and just work inspires us. We are grateful. We pray here for two such people, Joe Dowling and Marjorie Jobson, whom we have come to honor. We give them our esteem. Give them also, we pray, the satisfaction of knowing that their lives and work have blessed others and added to the goodness of life in the world, a world you love with grace that abounds now and always. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to this honorary degree convocation. The practice of awarding honorary degrees is an ancient one, adopted by colleges and universities that wish to honor extraordinary achievement in arts, letters, sciences, or public life. At St. Olaf College, we award honorary degrees upon the nomination of the faculty and by the authority of the Board of Regents to individuals who not only excel in particular fields of endeavor, but who also have become part of the St. Olaf family through their ongoing interaction with the institution and most particularly with our students. We gather here this morning to award honorary degrees to two such individuals, South African human rights activist, Dr. Marjorie Jobson, and Joe Dowling, Artistic Director of the Guthrie Theatre. To begin the ceremony, I invite Dr. Eric Lund, Professor of Religion and Director of International and Off-Campus Studies, to present the first candidate for a degree. On the nomination of the faculty and with the approval of the St. Olaf Board of Regents, it is my pleasure to present Dr. Marjorie Jobson as a candidate for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa. A lifelong citizen of South Africa, Dr. Marjorie Jobson received her medical training at the University of Cape Town. As a young physician, she was serving on the staff of Baragwanath Hospital in the township of Soweto at the time of the historic student uprising against apartheid, which took place in 1976. Dr. Jobson worked as an anesthesiologist until the early 1990s, when her attention gradually shifted to activities related to the protection of human rights, the promotion of social reform, and the empowerment of women. From 1985 until 1992, Dr. Jobson was co-chairperson of the Pretoria chapter of Black Sash, an organization of white South African women who protested against racial discrimination and attempted to protect those who were threatened for their political activities. In the 1990s, she was also a member of the executive committee of the South African chapter of the World Conference on Religion and Peace, which mobilized religious leaders to actively fight against apartheid and also worked to promote religious toleration. Increasingly interested in issues related to women's rights, Marjorie Jobson worked to advance gender equality as a research associate for the Human Rights Institute of South Africa, and also brought this concern to public attention at the time of the first democratic election in South Africa in 1994, 
by co-founding the Women's Rights Peace Party. In 2000, she became the co-founder of All Africa Women for Peace, an NGO formed to advance the participation of women in peacemaking and development in Africa. Since 2004, Marjorie Jobson has served on the Commission for the Promotion and Protection of Cultural, Religious, and Linguistic Communities, a government-established but independent body that has done important work to protect various minority communities in South Africa. In the new post-apartheid South Africa, Marjorie Jobson's humanitarian work has been especially expressed through the Kulamani Support Group. Formed in 1995 by survivors and families of victims of South Africa's apartheid past, this organization now has a membership of more than 58,000. In addition to doing advocacy work for the many individuals whose cases did not come to the attention of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, Kulamani has also helped the survivors of apartheid violence to form groups in which they can work at healing and the development of livelihood skills. Marjorie Jobson has been committed to the empowerment of black leadership within the Kulamani support group, but has still played a crucial role in this organization for more than a decade as a board member and as its national director. The work of Kulamani has attracted international attention lately because of its lawsuit targeting 23 multinational companies for their complicity in the violation of human rights while doing business in South Africa during the apartheid era. Marjorie Jobson has been intimately involved in this legal case, which is still under consideration in the U.S. District Court in New York. We also honor Marjorie Jobson for her direct service to St. Olaf College. Dr. Jobson has worked with five St. Olaf faculty members since 1994 in planning activities for interim programs in South Africa. Through her efforts, more than 150 St. Olaf students have had experiences that few travelers in South Africa will ever have. Benefiting from her extensive network of co-workers and friends, our students have not only visited places few others go to see and met memorable people who represent a wide spectrum of life experiences, but have also, has also been sensitized to the social issues South Africa currently faces. Through her long career as a human rights activist and as a facilitator of St. Olaf educational programs, Marjorie Jobson has inspired many of our students to live lives of worth and service. Mr. President, in recognition of these contributions, I have the honor to present Dr. Marjorie Jobson as a candidate for the degree Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa. Dr. Jobson, I invite you to the podium to receive your degree. On the nomination of the faculty and by the authority of the Board of Regents of St. Olaf College, I hereby confer upon you the degree Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa, together with all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities pertaining thereto. Congratulations.
We got the hood on. The hardest part is over. We await your remarks. St. Olive College, um, Board of Regents, President David Anderson, faculty and students. I must say it's, it's wonderful to see and quite a large number of faces that I recognize from encounters in all sorts of very challenging circumstances. I must say I have to confess to pushing the limits on what I expect students to do when they come to South Africa. And I'm, I'm extraordinarily grateful for this recognition, um, particularly because one of the most important things that we have learned in South Africa is the power of recognizing the contributions that people have made to building a society for which they fought so hard and so long. So this is, is particularly meaningful to me, and I'm very grateful I must say that Minnesota has had a profound influence on determining the journey of my own life because I accompanied my husband 18 years ago um, when he was a Humphrey Fellow in um, health education and the media at the University of Minnesota. And consequently, my, my life was entirely disrupted from any plans that I thought I might have for where I would go, and I, I returned to the most exciting era of our history, which was the transitional period, um, and I had been sort of exposed to a lot of learning and about the women's movement and its achievements in Minnesota, and of course felt compelled to introduce what I had learned back into this extraordinary um, opportunity of influencing a critical election, um, an opportunity that I think very few people have in their lifetime, where you, you, you um, have a liberation election and you can start with almost trying to wipe the copybook clear and, and determine what will inform um, the construction of a new nation. And, and so I, I have a, a very deep sense that... Um, that it is the kind of principles and values that, that, I, that I experience students here learn and that I have sort of come to feel um, are taught and, and handed on in this wonderful institution that really do inform um, how we live the journey of our lives and, and that it is a long journey and that we have to be very clear on the kinds of directions that we want to hold for ourselves. Um, so... I, th I think um, meeting just completely by accident one Easter Sunday on this campus, um, a former professor of fine art here, Professor Mac Gimsey, and, and, and by chance sort of having um, the first, one of the first people that I met who was teaching international studies say, you know, we've never thought that we might possibly visit South Africa, and that began this extraordinary journey that's come a full circle today, and, and that I think has been what, what, I th what, what for me is most important in life is about supporting and building human environments where we can nurture each other's flourishing, and I do believe that that is probably the greatest gift of St. Olaf. There are not many institutions that are able to give that deep sense of community and care that 
that I do feel in this institution, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to be affiliated with St. Olaf and to be, I think I'm now called an early. So, <laughs> so, um, so thank you very much. I now call upon Gary Gisselman, artist-in-residence, to present the next candidate for a degree. Good morning. On the nomination of the faculty and with the approval of the St. Olaf Board of Regents, it is my pleasure to present Joe Dowling as a candidate for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa. In 1976, the 29-year-old Joe Dowling became the youngest artistic director in history of Ireland's renowned national theater, the Abbey Theater. He had started his acting career at the Abbey while still a student at University College in Dublin and had already, at the tender age of 23, founded Ireland's first theater and education group, the Young Abbey, in 1970, and at 27 been named the artistic director of the Peacock Theater the Abbey's second stage. This devotion to and love of theater and education has been a constant in Joe Dowling's life and career. His work at the Abbey was marked by the encouragement and development of new playwrights and their plays. Leaving the Abbey in 1985, Mr. Dowling became the managing and artistic director of Dublin's oldest commercial theater, the Gaiety Theater, where he founded and directed the Gaiety School of Acting, now known as the premier acting school in Ireland. Since 1990, Joe Dowling has brought his skills as a director, thankfully, to North America, directing productions at such internationally celebrated theaters as Arena Stage, the American Repertory Theater, Long Wharf Theater, the New York Shakespeare Festival, the Stratford Theater Festival, and the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C. In 1995, Joe Dowling, with his wife Siobhan, son Ronan, and daughter Susanna, made the decision to leave the green of Dublin for the wintry climes of Minnesota. Named the seventh artistic director of the Guthrie Theater by the Guthrie's Board of Directors, Mr. Dowling has led the Guthrie into the 21st century, not only through co-productions with international theater companies and innovative collaborations with local theater companies, but also by spearheading the development and the realization in 2006 of the Guthrie Theater's new Jean Novel Design three-theater complex on the banks of the Mississippi. Since opening, more than one million people have enjoyed the Guthrie productions, education programs, and public spaces in this, as Time Magazine called it, 21st century dream factory. The Guthrie has, to quote Mr. Dowling, evolved into a center of theater arts and education, which is no surprise given Mr. Dowling's leadership. Mr. Dowling's commitment to education in and of the theater led to the creation of the Guthrie Learning Center and the Guthrie Experience for Graduate Studies in Theater, as well as the BFA Theater Training Program at the University of Minnesota, which teams the Guthrie with the University of Minnesota to train actors for a career in professional theater. 
This education also extends to the audience in Mr. Dowling's continuing support and development of new playwrights. Most recently, the Kushner Festival, devoted to one of America's most provocative and important playwrights, brought three Kushner plays, including a newly commissioned work to the Guthrie stages, proving that the Guthrie Theater is indeed in the vanguard of theaters, creating exciting and relevant theater for this new millennium. For our St. Ola students, Mr. Dowling and his work at the Guthrie has been an inspiration, not only through the countless productions they have been blessed to see at the Guthrie Theater, but also through the opportunities Mr. Dowling has given them to work at one of the world's premier theaters. With the exception of the University of Minnesota, no other institution of higher learning is more represented on the stage, behind the scenes, or in the offices of the Guthrie Theater than St. Olaf College. Mr. Dowling's close association with St. Olaf Artist-in-Residence, Gary Gisselman. We are now bound forever, Joe, I'm sorry. <laughs> has meant that no fewer than 35 St. Olaf Theater students have enjoyed postgraduate employment at the Guthrie. St. Olaf celebrates Mr. Dowling for the excellence of his work in the theater, his impassioned advocacy of the arts in our world, and his unflagging dedication to theater education. Mr. President, I have the honor to present Mr. Joe Dowling as a candidate for the decree Doctor of Humane Letters Honoris Causa. Mr. Dowling, I invite you to the podium to receive your degree. On the nomination of the faculty, and by the authority of the Board of Regents of St. Olaf College, I hereby confer upon you the degree Doctor of Humane Letters, honoris causa, together with all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities pertaining thereto. Congratulations. And we await your remarks. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. President, and members of the faculty, students. It's an enormous honor for me to be here today to receive this very special uh, uh, degree. And I'm particularly proud to share this event with Dr. Jobson, whose career and life has been dedicated so much to human rights and to the advance of humanitarian ideals. I come from a very different world, but one which equally believes strongly in the role of community and in the development of a, um, a quality of life that goes beyond the mere material. And I believe very strongly, as has, I hope, identified by the various uh, parts of my life and career that the arts and particularly obviously the theater as that's what I've devoted my life to have the opportunity to change lives to define our society and to make us aware of the common humanity that we all share. William Shakespeare who 
I think we'll all agree knew a thing or two about human nature. To find the power of the theater on our imaginations when he has his Prince of Denmark, Hamlet, tell us that the play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. He shows us that by the acting out of a particular event, that in this case the murder of his father before his uncle, that he was sure to force a confession of guilt upon the murderer's part. And in an earlier scene in that great play, Hamlet gives advice to the players that they should hold as twere the mirror up to nature. So the greatest dramatist in the history of theater knew that the acting out of emotions on a stage by actors could influence us in our personal behavior and force us to tr face the truth of our beliefs and teach us a great deal about ourselves in a complex world. And while it may exaggerate the influence of the arts to suggest that they are responsible for immediate political change, artists and the dangers and the power of their imaginations has certainly meant that totalitarian regimes have consistently silenced their voices and banned their works. And all art, I believe, has to be political in the impact that it has on the viewer and the audience. And it can have a profound influence to change minds and hearts. The great English essayist William Hazlitt says, the arts do not furnish us with food or raiment, it is true, but they please the eye, they haunt the imagination, they solace the heart. If after you have asked the question, cui bono, there is no answer to be returned. And in a free society, I think it's easy for us all to take for granted the rights of the artist to dissent from the mainstream of orthodoxies that are held out by a majority. We assume in our societies that the theater and the arts exist for our entertainment, for our enlightenment, and to question our collective values. But in many societies where freedom and human dignity are not a given, theater has a very different meaning and can be seen as a subversive act or an act of defiance. I'm very struck by the description offered by the Polish critic Jan Kott writing of a performance of Hamlet in Krakow during the time of the communist regime. He says, I was in Krakow for a new production of Hamlet when the line, something is rotten in the state of Denmark, was uttered on stage, and a murmur rippled through the audience from the gallery right under the ceiling to the first row of the orchestra. When later the line, Denmark's a prison, was repeated three times, the house went silent like a sudden lull before a storm, and then applause broke somewhere in the center of the auditorium and then somewhere in the gallery, individual, quiet applause that seemed frightened at its own audacity, in another moment, another moment, the entire auditorium had broken into a fierce applause that lasted until hands went numb. At this Polish hamlet, not only the cast, but the entire audience was in Elsinore, where both the people and the walls had ears. In societies where the freedom of discourse is not possible, theater, the arts, its power of metaphor, and its universal voice can speak directly to the human spirit and give it hope. I believe the arts matter to all human beings because they are a universal language that brings different cultures together and helps us understand each other better, because they can transform how we view each other, ourselves and the world around us. The arts matter in our lives because they embrace and define who we are as a civilization. In the words of the British observer John Tusa, a nation without the arts would be a nation that has stopped talking to itself, stopped dreaming, and has lost interest in the past and lacked curiosity about the future. 
as long as we continue to have this art strong in our community, as indeed since coming here in 1995 I have found it to be, not only in the theatre but in also in the other arts, then I don't believe that we will ever stop talking to ourselves or stop believing in our future. And today, for me, a very proud day to become, along with Dr. Jobson, an Oli. I also am delighted to have the opportunity um, to address these issues and to talk about what matters, has mattered most to me in my life, and that is how the arts can impact our society. Thank you again for this great honor, and it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mr. Dowling and Dr. Jobson for your presence here today, for your thoughtful remarks, and most of all, for everything you do for our students. You are our two most recent graduates. You will be hearing from Partners, our annual fund, shortly. <laughs> our revels now are ended. I thank everyone who came this morning to be part of this college conversation, and I invite Pastor Koenig to offer a benediction. May the Lord God, who creates and upholds the universe, bless your own being with truth and beauty care and justice. Amen.